everyone and welcome to episode number 130 of the raw verdict recapping the highs and lows from wwe's flagship show monday night raw i am your host and humble guide keela cash thank you so much for joining me as week 130 of receptopia gets underway happy tuesday morning afternoon and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of wwe and AEW gets underway and i apologize for missing the smackdown wind down slash aw rampage late night rager this past saturday morning i took a personal day and i don't do that normally but Smackdown and Rampage were very underwhelming shows and WWE continued that theme with a very lackluster edition of Monday Night Raw but I do want to apologize for missing a show I only skip a show in the event of technological disasters an act of God or in this case a personal reason and or holiday and I felt like Smackdown and Rampage gave me nothing to work with on Friday and Monday Night Raw did not fare that much better last night live from the Amelie Arena in Tampa Florida and we kick things off with WWE Global Ambassador Titus O'Neil cutting a very pro WWE promo. And I love Titus O'Neil. He is a great person, a class act individual. He gives back to his community in so many ways, but I felt like WWE used him as a proxy for more news stories that will come regarding the Vince McMahon hush payment investigation. I think there are more anvils to fall in the days to come. And this was a promo to say, we are family. We are WWE. We give back to the community. This is a safe space, which was definitely a choice of words that I would not have used because Nothing was a safe space when it comes to Titan Towers or behind the scenes in WWE roughly 16 years ago and dating back decades before that if you want to keep it 100. So I just felt like this was a preemptive promo by WWE to prepare themselves for more news stories. There was rumblings about real sports on HBO doing a story on Vince McMahon imminently. There could be more media outlets doing stories that might have people on the record regarding the hush payment. So I feel as if there is a storm coming in WWE and it's squarely heading in the direction of one Vince McMahon. And it's a question of how much he's going to withstand. I just felt bad for Titus being put in that position to cut that raw raw speech promo, but it's WWE. We're a family and we put smiles on people's faces. PR through and through, but the work that Titus does behind the scenes is not PR. He does it from the heart and I respect him for that. But that promo was pure WWE spin all the way. As we move on to Becky Lynch, big time Bex cutting a very good promo while using a lot of train analogies at the same time. She compares herself to the little engine that could, and she calls herself the ginger locomotive. She calls herself the big time Bex Express and that there's no stopping her. She had to run through four other ladies to advance the money in the bank last month. She beat Asuka to get back in this position to be a number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship, and she's all about the big comeback at SummerSlam to right the wrong from WrestleMania by beating Bianca Belair and or Carmella for the Raw Women's Championship. I love the station analogies, making stops at legendary station and appreciation avenue there were so many train ponds that i lost count but i appreciate becky's creativity nonetheless as bianca belair comes out reigning raw women's champion and she notes that 
This is not about Becky Lynch heading into SummerSlam. This is about Bianca Belair to right the wrong that was done to her by Becky Lynch at last year's SummerSlam in Las Vegas, Nevada. That Becky surprised everyone with her return. She clocked Carmella and she took her spot in that SmackDown Women's Championship match and she beat Bianca Belair in 26 seconds. 26 seconds haunted Bianca Belair for a very long time. She had to work her way from the bottom to the top. From the Warrior Rumble to Elimination Chamber, earning a slot at WrestleMania against Becky for the Raw Women's Championship, beating Becky on the grandest stage of them all to become Raw Women's Champion. So it's only fitting that their rivalry would end in Nashville, where it all started last year with Bianca getting the win back on Becky one more time. This leads to Carmella coming out saying, hey, don't forget about me because remember, I won our match via countout last week. I was this close to beating you for that Raw Women's Championship and you know it. And Bianca's done with the talking. She wants to fight right now. And that leads to a double attack courtesy of Becky Lynch and Carmella as we go to commercial break. We come back and it is Carmella versus Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. And this match can be won via pinfall submission and or countout. And the match was fine. The crowd was dry because as I keep saying, been there, done that dating back to last summer. And early on, Carmella was trying to get the countout victory by slamming Bianca into the ring post, throwing her over the barricade to win by countout. But Bianca Belair got back in the ring every time and fought back despite being beat down by Carmella and Becky Lynch prior to the commercial break. Bianca does fight back by catching Carmella in midair once again and delivering a delayed vertical suplex for a near fall. Carmella does fight back by reversing the glam slam into a roll-up attempt followed by a super kick for a near fall and a face buster once again for another close count. So she antagonizes Bianca Belair by slapping her, pushing her, shoving her. Bianca fires up and picks up Carmella for the KOD for the win. Very similar finish to their match at Money in the Bank a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas. It was a fine match, not as good as their match from last week, but I'm glad it's over and done with it now as we can focus on Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam next Saturday live from Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee, and I expect this to be a great match per the usual. WWE can go one of two ways or maybe three. One way is to do a very good traditional wrestling match. No frills, no bullshit. There must be a winner decisively once and for all. Number two, you can give us a 25-second special like they did last year by having Bianca beat Becky cat quick. Or option three, like last year, you Bring back someone we have not seen in a very long time. I'm talking about Bailey. I think this would be a very fitting return for her in Nashville, Tennessee. She'll be over like nobody's business. It's kind of productive in a way. But hey, Becky crashed a party last year. Why not Bailey this year? She'll be beloved by the fans. We know how WWE does, though. She's cheered one minute, booed the next for doing heelish things. But this would be a great moment for Bailey to come back and maybe jumpstart her feet with Bianca Belair that is yet to be finished from their time on SmackDown last summer prior to the ACL injury. So here's hoping that WWE spices things up heading into the biggest party of the summer next weekend. Next up is Rey Mysterio versus Damian Priest from Judgment Day. And we got a promo from Finn and Damian Priest. Didn't care for it. I didn't rise when Damian Priest told me to. Sorry, dude. And I like you very much, but... Without Rhea Ripley, this crew is missing something. And when you're borrowing Edge's music, despite how great Alter Bridge is, that means that you do not have a 
clear identity for yourself, which is a problem. But I'm glad that WWE decided to tone down on the supernatural elements of this group. And we can just push forth with something heading into SummerSlam involving the Mysterios and or someone else, as I'll get to shortly. But Damian Priest versus Rey Mysterio is pretty good for the time they had as Rey was able to counter a top rope chokeslam into a Hura Karana in a pretty sweet spot. Rey goes for the 619. Finn Balor goes on the apron to cause a distraction. Dominic Mysterio pulls Finn down, but he's still slammed against the barricade by Finn Balor. And Rey knocks Finn into Dominic against the barricade. He does go for the 619 again, but Priest counters with a big boot for a near fall. Ray does land the 619, eventually goes for Cedar Santon, but Priest counters that and lands the Razor's Edge for the win. A pretty gnarly finish by Damian Priest. And at this point, Finn Balor is going to introduce a couple of steel chairs to the mix, and he is going to crunch her to Rey Mysterio if Dominic does not join Judgment Day. Dominic says, sure, I'll join. And Damian Priest says, you know what? It doesn't work like that. And they beat up Dominic Mysterio, and Finn goes after Ray, but Ray ducks the concerto. And I'm thinking that in honor of Ray's 20th anniversary in WWE next Monday, this will lead to the return of Edge. Because we get another promo this week, very cryptic, of course, showing Ray's mask and The Undertaker's urn. Two more classic feuds involving Edge's time in WWE way back when, even though he's here and now, still kicking ass in 2022. So I expect this to be a true MSG moment next Monday. And I know there is a concern of, will fans forgive Edge for what he did before WrestleMania when he went after AJ Styles and turned on the fans for reasons? He's Edge. He will find a way out of this predicament and get cheered by saving Ray. And I think short term, Ray and Edge would be a great fucking team. And maybe that might stoke some jealousy in Dominic to get some semblance of a personality because he needs something right now. He had a great debut a couple of years ago against Seth Rollins at SummerSlam 2020 at the Thunderdome. And since then, it's been a slow regression of where he was then versus where he is now. And I think he needs some time on 2.0. He might need time on the indie scene to truly figure out who he is as a performer because you're living under your father's shadow, which is all well and good. But at some point, you got to step out on your own and prove your worth to figure out who you are meant to be as a wrestler at the end of the day. Next up is the return of Kevin Owens and the KO show with special guest Riddle as Riddle faces Seth freaking Rollins at SummerSlam next Saturday on Peacock and KO notes that he had to take a break from WWE for a few weeks because he almost lost his mind over this entire Ezekiel Elias situation (laughs) dating back to the Monday after WrestleMania and he had to go on a nature retreat do some meditation, be one with nature. And he wishes Ezekiel and Elias the best. He lies. He wishes them the worst. He wishes for them to fail on every level. But this is not about them. It's about him. And it's about Riddle. And he tells Riddle, listen, I know what it's like to lose your best friend because Seth Rollins was my best friend. And then he abandoned me, betrayed me when I needed him most. And Randy's not by your side right now due to injury. So maybe we can join forces and become bro KO. We could be the top tag team on Monday Night Raw. What you say? And Riddle calls out Owens for being a liar. And Owens notes, hey, Randy is the biggest liar and snake in WWE history. How dare you compare him to me? Because we are not one and the same. Riddle gets antsy and offended by the Randy slander. He gets up to go after KO. And that leads to Rollins' music hitting. And it's a fake out the first time. Second time, not so much as Rollins attacks Riddle from behind and lands not one, 
but two curb stomps on Riddle ahead of their match at SummerSlam next Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee. And after that, it is Seth Rollins versus Ezekiel again from last week. And I have to say, despite the copy and paste nature of this rematch, I enjoyed it. The crowd, unfortunately, was dead most of the way through. They kind of popped for the near falls as Ezekiel is a really good worker. I see the improvement, but he is absolutely generic personality-wise. He's created a wrestler from 2K22. He needs that Elias influence, the beard, the hair, to really complement what he does in the ring because he can work. He had Rollins on a rope several times with some nice power moves, counters into roll-ups, a powerbomb for a near fall here, a jumping knee strike after catching Rollins in midair for another near fall. Rollins drops a knee on Ezekiel from the top rope for another close count, but eventually Rollins is going to catch Ezekiel on the top rope, land a superplex into a falcon arrow for a near fall. Ezekiel fights back a bit more, but he is caught with two forearm strikes to the back of his neck by Rollins, followed by the curb stomp for the win. A very competitive match, and I'm not going to lie, the best bell-to-bell match on this show. It's not saying a lot, but the work was pretty clean by both men once again. But Ezekiel needs Kevin Owens and Elias to really get over as a big-time star in WWE because Ezekiel, despite the comedy aspects of it all, is not it when it counts most. Next up is Angelo Dawkins prepping the Street Profits versus Omos, and this match is not very good because when Dawkins goes to offense, he's great, but Omos is selling is pretty damn bad. As Montez Ford provides emotional support at ringside by distracting Omos at various points. But it's MVP that trips Angelo Dawkins, that draws the DQ. And Adam Pierce says, oh, we're not going to end the match like this. We're going to do a tag team match featuring MVP in his dress suit alongside Omos versus the Profits. After the commercial break, we got the Usos at ringside. And once again, this match isn't that much to write home about as we have MVP hitting the ball and elbow drop on Dawkins for a near fall. He does get the hot tag to Montez Ford, who tries to drop Omos with several enziguries. But the big man is hardly phased as he lands a clubbing clothesline to Ford, followed by a big boot for a near fall that is broken up by Dawkins. And Dawkins is going to shove MVP into the Usos at ringside. The Usos try to interfere. That allows Montez Ford and Angel Dawkins to chop down Omos a bit by taking out the legs and rocking with a double super kick. And that leads to Montez going up top for a frog splash he goes for the cover and Omos kicks out at a very strong one Montez goes for another frog splash on the other side of the ring but the Usos interfere blatantly for the DQ and that leads to Omos choke slamming Dawkins and Ford as Usos stand over them holding both belts heading into the WWE undisputed tag team title match involving the Usos versus Street Profits with special guest referee Jeff Jarrett next Saturday at SummerSlam and I don't like Omos beating down the Street Profits. That is not the story. The story is Usos versus Street Profits. End of the story. They had a great match of Money in the Bank. It has been watered down since then with controversial finishes and 50-50 booking. And at this point, my interest in this match is lowered. And I don't know what Jeff Jarrett is going to do next Saturday. Will he be in the Usos pocket? I don't know. Will he be rocking with the Street Profits? I have no idea. I do not expect a clean finish, which makes this feud very so-so in my eyes, despite the incredible talent involved. Next up 
is Austin Theory coming out and this guy gets the what treatment to extremes I have not seen in quite some time on WWE television. Every other sentence was what? As he talks about people being jealous of him, ranging from AJ Styles to the Usos to Sami Zayn to Roman Reigns to Brock Lesnar to Dolph Ziggler. They rocked him with a super kick this past Monday on Raw, but it doesn't matter because it's SummerSlam next weekend. Whoever's laid out, whether it's Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns, is cashing in this contract to become the new WWE Undisputed Universal Champion. And that leads to AJ Styles coming out to say, no, we just think you are a jackass. We're not jealous of you. I'm here to humble you tonight. And Theory had the temerity to say that AJ Styles is old and he's a grizzled veteran that's jealous of his success in WWE. Can't measure up like he used to when AJ punches out Theory, which leads to their match. After the commercial break, it should be noted that Dolph Ziggler gets a front row seat once again. And the match is fine. AJ Styles is always going to be a star. Theory is getting that mixture of we hate this guy with a little bit of go away heat too. So it's like a mixed experiment at this point as Ziggler oversees the action at ringside at one point Ziggler says hey I'm not your problem leave me be but Theory shoves Ziggler on the floor as we're at a commercial break we come back and Theory lands a rolling drop kick and a cross leg and neck breaker on Styles for two Styles responds with a calf crusher on Theory Theory grabs the ropes to break the hold Styles goes for a PK kick as Theory recovers on the outside but Theory blocks it and he grabs Styles and slams him face first on two the announce table he threatens to land Styles directly Directly on top of Ziggler, but he thinks better of it. And as Styles goes in the ring to break the count, Ziggler super kicks Theory behind the referee's back, and Theory is unable to get back in the ring before the count of 10. And Styles wins via count out. And I love whatever energy Ziggler is giving. It's different. I'm here for it. He's making Theory's life miserable, and we don't know why. I want this to be slow burned. Through SummerSlam, let Theory get through his match with Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. Let Ziggler cost him that match, and then you jumpstart whatever you're trying to do heading into late summer, early fall. I don't think Theory's cashing in anytime soon, and I just want Ziggler to just enjoy this, have fun, let loose, and show off a new side of himself. That's all I ask. Because I go back to what I said last week. I've been a ride or die Ziggler fan for a very long time. And I stopped five years ago because he gave me nothing as a character. The work in the ring was never a question, but I was disconnected with him emotionally from a character development standpoint. Here's his shot to give me something different. I saw glimmers on 2.0 earlier this year during his feud with Ciampa and ultimately Bond Breaker over the NXT Championship. I want to see that Ziggler projected even more so on Monday Night Raw. I love the stern look on his face. It's giving me kind of big dick energy, which I enjoy, but I need more verbally for me to buy into this turn at the end of the day. Next up is... Pointless 24-7 nonsense. It was supposed to be a six-woman tag team match featuring the team of Alexa Bliss, Dana Brooke, then 24-7 champion alongside Asuka, versus Dewdrop, Nikki A.S.H., and Tamina. And normally, when the 24-7 champion is in a traditional matchup, the rules of the 24-7 championship are suspended. Or so we thought, because those rules were thrown out the door last night as Akira Tozawa rolled up Dana Brooke at ringside to become the new 24-7 champion. Then we had champs in the form of Dewdrop, Tamina, Alexa Bliss, 
Nikki A.S.H., Dana Brooke again, and then eventually Asuka is going to lock the Asuka lock on Nikki because there's still a match in progress for the submission win. This was a clusterfuck on the highest level. The tag team match meant nothing. The 24-7 championship means even less. And I'm over it. I'll never forget three years ago, this month, Mick Foley introduced the championship. It was supposed to be Raw After Dark. It was going to be black and white graphics signaling something darker and edgier after 10. And we got that for two weeks. And the 24-7 championship has meant jack shit ever since, with the exception of R-Truth holding that championship at least 50 times. Otherwise, I don't care about it. We get some funny moments here and there, but otherwise, it's a waste of time. Alexa Bliss touching that championship. Just know. I heard comparisons. Oh, Trish was a hardcore champion. That championship meant more 20 plus years ago than this title in 2022. Please. I'm glad Asuka wasn't booked to win this goddamn title. That would have been the ultimate shade of it all. But I just wondered to myself, we have this collection of talented women in the ring. Where is this WWE Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament? They tattered on TV a couple of months ago because Sasha and Naomi let us down, quote unquote. How about WWE letting us down by taking a collective shit on those titles time and time again and giving us a six-woman tag team match with 24-7 championship nonsense attached to it. What a waste of time. And what a way to underutilize your talent at the exact same time because this match was not it. As we move on to our main event, which was Miz TV featuring The Miz, an extra special guest, Logan Paul. He gets booed in Tampa as expected. And I got to give Logan Paul credit for this. He's really impassioned about being a WWE superstar. And he cut a promo last night that was pretty good. Sometimes he equates yelling with emotion, which is not it, but he'll get better in time. But for a novice, he's pretty damn good. And I thought his promo last night was solid as he talked about being a social media influencer, changing the game, having a top tier podcast, taking Floyd Mayweather to the limit in a boxing match a year or so ago. And now he's making the move to WWE. He's going to thrive in that area as well. Had a memorable match at WrestleMania, which was facts. But The Miz says, listen, for all of your success, on social media, in the boxing ring, at WrestleMania. You had to be humbled. You had to understand your place because you are still a rookie. I'm glad Logan cut off Miz's resume speech. I'm the only two-time Grand Slam champion in WWE history, blah 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 Who cares? I don't care, Miz. What have you done for me lately? Which isn't much. There's your answer to that. And he goes into, I'm here to guide you on this journey. You need me because without me, you're going to drown. And you need somebody to guide you along this journey towards being a top tier WWE superstar. I helped you at WrestleMania. I carried you to victory. I cannot do that at SummerSlam if you're going to challenge me to a one-on-one match. And that's what Logan Paul wants. He wants revenge for what Miz did to him at WrestleMania, dropping him with a skull crush finale he wants to miss one-on-one at SummerSlam and the only time he got cheered because he got the what treatment to a point not as bad as theory is when he called the Miz's balls out for being the size of blueberries and he led the crowd in a tiny balls chant and the Miz reveals under his jacket a t-shirt a play on his old t-shirt my name is the Miz and I'm awesome but it's my name is my balls are massive to affirm that my balls are in fact the size of cantaloupes (laughs) and the Miz 
completely pissed off, agrees to face Logan Paul at SummerSlam one-on-one. He tries to get the jump on Logan Paul. Logan tackles The Miz, clotheslines him out the ring, gets jumped by Ciampa. He's double-teamed for a bit. He boots The Miz, fights off Ciampa, and he leaves the scene to avoid the double-team beatdown as Raw goes off the air with Logan Paul standing tall. And I thought this was a fine closing angle. Logan Paul wants to get over as a babyface. Definitely a choice. Sometimes you got to know what you're good at. And right now you are a great villain because I don't like you very much as a person, but I can respect someone that puts in the work to be a damn good professional wrestler. And he's on that Pat McAfee lane of being very good. And I think that would be his key to getting over with the people is not going to be saying I'm a trier. I'm giving it my best shot. You have to put in the work in the ring. And I think he'll do that. And it will open people's eyes. You can't make people cheer for you, but you can make them begrudgingly respect what you can do. And I think he can be a very good wrestler. He showed that at WrestleMania. And I think he'll show it at SummerSlam in a couple of weeks time. That's how you earn the crowd's respect. You got to show them what you can do. If you want to be beloved like Bad Bunny and Pat McAfee and Johnny Knoxville, we man to a greater extent, you got to put in the work. You got to give the people a show and a reason to connect with you. If you can bring that charisma to the ring, there is hope for you. Your reputation precedes you in many ways, but in some cases, your hard work can supersede it. But you just can't demand a crowd reaction of cheers. You got to earn it. I think he'll do it, crazily enough, because he is a kind of guy that's not going to give up. He's persistent, and I kind of respect him for that, despite my indifference towards him most of the time. And this wraps up a pretty disappointing episode of Monday Night Raw, sponsored by DQ, not Dairy Queen, but disqualifications, account not here and there, and just booking nonsense up and down this show. It appears the WWE is definitely hyping MSG next Monday as the show of shows. Because the last time they ran New York, it was a great fucking show on SmackDown. So I expect them to really bring it with Rey Mysterio's 20th anniversary, Roman Reigns in the house saying, hey, I run New York. He did that promo last fall. He'll probably do it again with a touch more endearment and swag. And I'm looking forward to it. And I expect Edge to return next Monday at Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. I'm here for it. And I think WWE has to deliver a go-home show that sells us on SummerSlam because the hype has fallen short thus far despite the potential of the card on paper. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 130 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Wrestoptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming of these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, such Wrestoptopia, and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 78 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. Mm-hmm.